Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you need to develop into a better leader, this podcast is for you. If you want to achieve a greater level of success, this podcast is for you. His mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, said it best, everything rises and falls on leadership. We hope to inspire you today and provide you with an insight that has the potential to positively impact the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast. Pioneering solutions, transformational technology, and inspirational leaders. I'm your host, Connor Sherman, and this is the Confident Defense Podcast. Welcome to the Confident Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Connor, and today we've got a really special guest, a pretty amazing individual, Bob Fabian Singa. He's truly a visionary and senior level cybersecurity technology risk executive. He is a senior information warfare officer in the US Navy. He sits on the Forbes Technology Council and is currently the director of security at Directly. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Connor. Appreciate that. My pleasure. As you know, like the reason we have this whole show is because we really want to take individuals who are on the forefront, who are pushing the envelope, who really see around what's coming around the corner when it comes to innovation in security. So when you and I got talking and I realized that you've just had this incredible experience getting to where you are today, you literally sit on an innovation board on the Forbes Technology Council. I was like, I just had to get you on the show. So I really want to, we got a bunch of stuff I want to dive into, but I want to start with that technology, the Forbes Technology Council. It's, you've published over 14 articles here on Forbes. You are a powerhouse and an insightful individual when it comes to what's happening in the security community. How did this whole thing come together? How did you get connected with the team at Forbes? Yeah, that was pretty uh, interesting. They actually invited me, right? I, I believe her name was Nicole. I can't, I can't remember her last name. She was like, hey, it looks like you should be on our council. So I, I took the call and it didn't take very long. Like within 10 minutes, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. Please sign me up right now. <laughs> of course, Forbes is a you know, magnificent brand. Everybody knows, knows about Forbes. Uh, so yeah, and, and then uh, I accepted the in, the invitation. That was back in October. I think it was October 28th, if I remember correctly, toward the end of October. And I've already learned a lot since since then it's kind of sh sharing what what you know helping the community but also learning from your peers and some of the leading fortune 500 uh, ctu and cxos uh, really around the globe so it's it's it's, it's been a, a great experience it's it's gonna be pretty special being on part of a team that really is that champion that innovative voice because some of the articles as i was stalking you in preparation for our conversation i was definitely reading through the articles and doing my homework and, you know, what I see is like, there's a, more, a recent article and I'll link to all of this in the show notes, but like when they talk about 15 digital payments that are coming around, they're going to change the way people do commerce. Like, yeah. so there's your, here it is your voice in the midst of all these other incredible thoughts as well. Like, what are some of the, um, the topics or what are some of the areas that you think that are worth highlighting and mentioning that are changing and there is some innovation coming into well, uh, I think the only thing we know for sure is uh, change is here to uh, stay. I can't even remember who originally said that, but it is really, really true. I mean, especially uh, in the area we, we live in today, especially in Silicon Valley, where we've always 
been leading in innovation around the, the world for a very, very, very long time. But uh, one thing I believe is uh, we really need to build more and more leaders, right, uh, in the world today with all of the changes happening and the advancement of te technology, auto, auto automation, right? And uh, there are a lot of jobs already we know that are never going to come back. Uh, robots have taken over, and I think there's going to be a lot more changes in the future, and especially like 2020. Who, who could have thought, you know, this uh, little pandemic that started in China would pretty much change the world, uh, you know, the way we uh, knew it. So uh, things change. There's a lot of disruption, and you you need to adapt. But I do believe one skill that is really crucial is uh, learning to be a leader. Kind of put yourself ahead of the curve if you if you if you can, because I think no matter what happened with um, technology or automation, there will always be a place for somebody who can lead because uh, that's just something that is uh, needed. So, and it is it is it is kind of strange. Though. I, I'm trying to think back uh, when I first came to the U.S. Uh, back then, I was a pre-med student, and I instantly knew that was like in the '90s, right? In the mid '90s, I, I've really I've never seen a computer before. The first time I really touched a computer was in 1997. I was very afraid of the computer. But the way I got over my fear is I took that one computer where I was working, I completely set everything apart. I took all of the components out and then I put it back together. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I did it again and again, and my fear of computer just evaporated. And uh, I've, I've been really, really uh, infused and very, very much excited about tech technology. But anyway, my, my original point was when, when I first started my career, I kind of knew no matter what you did in the world, whether you are, I don't know, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever it is you do, you need to know about computers, technology. It's going to have to be a part of your life. And you also need to know about business. I, I just felt like those two things were crucial no matter what what uh, you uh, did. And of course, no, te technology has definitely uh, revolutionized the world and the way we, we live, right? I, I, I cannot even spend like half an hour without my iPhone this, this, this day. It, it's just um, amazing how much a part of our life and work it is today. Well, speaking that blend of like security and business, I'm so glad somebody else saw this too, because that's what I got my degrees in. I'm like, I'll get my trade in cybersecurity <laughs> and my degrees in business. And hopefully, you know, there'll be some value here. So, you know, either we are both yeah. on the right path or we're <laughs> both equally crazy. But no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. There is a sense where every company has become a technology company. And now yes. it's our job to use that technology, not as just from an operational perspective, but really that competitive advantage. And I think Absolutely. the next uh, logical extension of that is every company is a security company. And yes. you can, again, use that as like a burden or it becomes that competitive advantage in the marketplace. Yes, and, and that really became very clear to me uh, when I moved to uh, Silicon Valley. I was working for a startup called uh, Pivotal. And uh, one, one thing we, we used to say is that yeah, every single company is a technology company that just may not be aware of it. So uh, we are going to um, provide our platform and allow them to complete their digital transformation. And that's what uh, we did. I stayed there for like two years and, and a half. It was really a great, great time and I learned a lot. So let's go back to that uh, notion you mentioned about leadership, right? As like the, the meta skill of all of the technical skills, being able yes. to lead in that capacity. Um, what are some of the things that you'd like to see in the security community as it portrays to leadership? What are some of the changes that we should be thinking about to build better leaders, uh, more diverse leaders, more inclusive uh, leadership in their community? 
Well, there is a, a lot. I have a lot of mentors. One of my mentors, my leadership mentor, uh, Dr. John C. Maxwell, uh, says something that always stuck with me. You know, he says everything rises and, and falls upon leadership, and and I think it is true, not just in cybersecurity technology, but really throughout life. Right? Uh, leadership is a very very key skill, but I think at its core, leadership is really all about influence. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, I've been in the U.S. Navy reserve for 16 years now and uh, to the military uh, leadership is to the Navy kind of what location is to real estate. It's really all about leadership, no? leading right. people, men and women in times of war and uh, peace. And if you're going to have people follow you and uh, they know that there is a good chance you know, they may not come back, uh, you, you better be a pretty good leader, right? So uh, that is really, really uh, critical in everything we, we do in the service. But I, I, I just feel feel like uh, cybersecurity, I, I think, is a is a really great uh, field, right? I, I'm, I consider myself very lucky to have stumbled uh, upon uh, security. Uh, I mm -hmm. think we are re relatively young compared to all of the other professions out there. Uh, I think yes. it's probably what maybe ten years ago that it became an official, you know, uh, profession because most people prior to that. They just did it as a, sure. as a hobby, right? Short but, of being an Instagram influencer, I think we're the youngest <laughs> yes. uh, industry out there. You know, finance has had how many hundreds of years and we've exactly. had 20. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, leadership is very, very important. And one thing that kind of amazes me is when I started, what, 15, 20 years ago, I used to look up right to security experts. Oh, the expert! I want to learn, learn from them. I just want to listen to what they have to say and learn and grow. And uh, 15, 20 years later, I am now one of those ex experts. Yes, you are. And you I, are I, really voice. Like, <laughs> I really feel like I, I, I have this um, burden to kind of help shape the next uh, generation, right? Mm. Because we really, really need uh, more and more people in, in this field. And you know, things are just going to uh, get worse. And we, we need people who are qualified and, and work really know uh, how to do, how to run a security program and really reduce risk, right? From my uh, military background, to me, really, cybersecurity is a, a national security issue, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because uh, when we have nation states who, who come here, like SolarWind is, is one great uh, example of that skill, our intellectual property. And now in cyber, you, you could even uh, shut down uh, lights and generator and, and do all all kinds of damage really uh, because it, again everything we do today is, is tightly integrated with security oh, whether it's you know, flying an point. airplane or whatever yeah sorry to interrupt that because i want to yeah. unpack that point for a second but to your point of like turning off the lights we've seen that russia did that to the ukraine right yes. a few yes. years ago it went dark and it wasn't yes. an accident you know very Absolutely. deliberate over time so getting yes. into power grids turning that off turning off hospitals is a real thing and then of course solar winds so Let's. You yes. brought up solar winds. Let's go there. What are some <laughs> of the lessons we could learn from solar winds? Because I mean, this is still ongoing. It's not stealing headlines at the moment, but it's still unraveling. Yes. It's still unpacking. Yes, and uh, I think uh, it, it is pre pretty much going to take a while for for us to really learn the significant impact of that. I, I actually wrote uh, an article uh, about mm -hmm. that. I think within a week of us finding finding out because it it was really a crucial, probably the most important impactful act we've ever seen uh, in the U.S., impacting uh, not only the U.S. Uh, government, but leading Fortune 500 companies, even some of the leading security firms in the, in the world. So this, this is quite uh, serious. And if uh, you go to my uh, Forbes uh, article, uh, you will see 
I uh, mentioned three specific things. Um, actually, give me just a second here. Okay, here, here it is. <laughs> it's it's really funny how you you, you look up for 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 your own art, art, article here. But like three three things I did uh, bring up right 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 away is the notion that uh, really every computer system is vulnerable, right? Uh, yeah. One one of my uh, mentor used used to say this was back in two thousand and one when I uh, started security. It's like the only way to be one hundred percent secure with a computer system is to not use the computer, put it like in a box and uh, sync it. Then uh, you are one hundred percent hack-free. But as long as you turn it on and put it to the internet, it will probably get hacked. So that's that's just the reality of life, right? So uh, you have to manage risk. You, you, you cannot com completely remove the risk, but you, you need to be able to manage it. And that's what a good security program is supposed uh, to do. But I think uh, another important point is uh, security is much more than just technology, right? Technology yeah. is very important. And especially when people just get uh, started, they are really in love with technology. They want to get all of these great technological skills, which, which, which is fine and dandy. But at, at some point, you uh, really have to go beyond the uh tech the tech the tech technology you kind of need to understand your organization what uh, the strategic objective are what you're trying to accomplish and then everything else you know beyond technology that is related to what you are uh, trying uh, to do and to uh, accomplish and in many many ways uh i think of a cyber crime really the same way anybody would think of any other crime, right? Uh, usually three things come, come into play. One is somebody has to have a desire to get whatever it is that you've got. Uh, they, yeah. they have to, the motive. to, to yeah. want it, the motive. Yes. And then number two, they need to have the skills in order to be able to steal that thing from you. And then number three, they need to get the opportunity. That's why most people, they lock their, their doors and so forth. But just by locking your door doesn't mean nobody's going to get into your house and steal whatever you, you've got. But it just makes it more difficult, right? The, uh, it kind of keeps honest people honest. They try to open the door, it's locked, okay, they go do some, some something else. But if somebody really, really wants to, to get into your stuff, they're probably going to find a way. All it, all it takes is just time and opportunity. So hopefully, the way we uh, manage our security program, we kind of remove that uh, opportunity from uh, those bad guys so they can go act, you know, the the business next door and, and not mess with us. But, uh, and then uh, the, the, the last thing I, I mentioned was that security really needed to be elevated. Uh, I have been in the security field for quite a while now. Uh, the, the only exception is probably the military where Congress pretty much gives us you know, all of the money we need and when we run out, it seems like I just print some more. Uh, but uh, in the real world, everywhere else, you know, resources are limited and uh, uh, you, you really have to uh, do the best you can uh, with the uh, resources available to you at the time. But but what I have noticed, especially when I was a consultant, is a lot of businesses, they do sing the praises of security and privacy and trust and data security and all of those things. But then when you look at their budget, how they actually spend their, their money, most of the time, uh, they don't spend enough in something they say is crucial or extremely important to them and to their uh, client. So uh, I uh, feel like in this time and age, uh, security really should be elevated. And we've had a lot of discussion with a bunch of my peers now, um, where should security re report to? Traditionally, right. it's been the, the CIO sometimes to the general counsel or legal or sometimes 
engineering or IT, but but uh, I I just feel like for an organization uh, that takes security seriously, you really need to consider having the uh, security function reporting directly to the CEO or even to the board of directors. But, so uh, it's interesting you mentioned idea. that. No, I think I think I know it's that it's like and I get that, but it's like my goodness, when, what an interesting world that would be, right? When you have to talk, when you are directly responsible to the CEO of the organization, I feel that like you really take security from being a feature of a product set, feature of mm -hmm. a technology to being a function of the organization. And yes. that switch changes budgets. It changes the caliber that you hire for, you know, hiring someone to run your security program. If it's baked under the CTO or baked under the CIO, okay, they're, they're technical. They can't talk to the board. That's fine. You might hire that person, but if they're pointing the CEO, they have to know the business. They have to know the market. They have to know all these things that a CEO would expect. And so the caliber of whom you're hiring to run your program also changes pretty greatly as well. Absolutely. Going back to your leadership point. Yeah. Yes. And, and one, one thing you, you mentioned is extremely important because I have seen it you know, day in and day out uh, in the industry. Many, many times people try to kind of uh, add on security at, 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 at the end, what is bolted on instead of security being backed into the uh, software development life cycle process. So it is very, very important to think of security from the very beginning than trying to figure out, okay, we've got this great software, this great application. Oh, but we forgot about security kind of like an afterthought. That's definitely not the way right. to go. And I was just having a conversation with a uh, someone who actually has blended the roles of CIO and CISO, and he's the CIO CISO over at Wiley. And we were having a conversation here on the podcast and he was talking about the same thing. It's like, he has built this community, this um, organization where security is built in, not built on yes. the product lifecycle. So it's to your point, it's, it's in that SCLC, it's in the CSE pipeline, it's there up front because we thought about it when we thought about the feature we're going to bring to market, you know, yes. it's like, it's a first class citizen. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I really believe for uh, a lot of organizations, especially small and medium sized organizations who are looking to grow, if they put the investment in now, it's really going to allow them to enable Celso because the biggest company in the world, Fortune 500 company, they really, really do care a lot about security. And if they see that you really thought about it and you take it very seriously, they would want to partner uh, with you. Yeah, um, that that's a really good point. This idea that like security again is a feature of the business. It's a function yeah. of the business that gives you a competitive advantage if you do it well. Yes. So what are your, what are some of your thoughts around changing, changing behavior in organizations when it comes to viewing security, prioritizing security and really elevating its function in an organization? Yeah. So if it is not already there, uh, you really have to impact the culture. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, it's, I guess it is easier said than done. But one thing that is absolutely, absolutely crucial is you need to have the support of senior management, right? The people who have a seat at the table and who decide the strategic uh, direction of the organization, those people need to buy into the security program because if they don't, then I, I feel like everybody's just wasting time, right? Uh, like I, I, I remember I also uh, helped out with the uh, uh, security question of the uh, CSSP uh, exam, which I believe is the gold standard for uh, security certification out, 
out out to be yeah. but back back in the days when i when i took the, the, the test back in 2009 man that's a long 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 time ago um one of the questions that, that kept uh, coming up was you no know, uh, the answer would be yeah you need to have senior management support but but yeah it's not just a a question on an exam but that is really 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 crucial so i think as a security professional you really have to see yourself uh, as an evangelist as a uh, consultant even though you are a full-time employee so you are an advisor and uh, you want to make sure that your voice is heard and that you are telling the people who can make the decision hey this is important and this is why hey, this is a risk and we need to address it and uh, uh that's that goes back to uh, what i was saying about leadership being really really crucial not only not in all of the areas of life now, but specifically in cyber uh, security, right? Because many, many times you will not have uh, the authority to delegate tasks to people because they don't report directly to you, but you need to be able to influence them, influencing them into doing the right thing for the organization, right? And um, that, is, yeah. that is really, really key, being a, a part of the uh, culture so you can kind of change it from uh, within. Uh, as as an example, some some of the things I have done uh, directly since I came. Prior to me, we didn't celebrate National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is every October. So the very uh, first yeah. time I had the opportunity, I just uh, took it and, and went with it. We we had uh, a lot of presentation and we tried to make it a, a lot of fun and giving away uh, a whole bunch of gifts which I got from our third party vendors. They were very very glad to support that initiative there but just uh make making it fun ex exciting and i think at the end we we gave away five five hundred uh, um, dollars uh, amazon gift gift card so kind of bribing people to come to the presentation so we could choose uh one of them to win sure, the sure. Uh, waffle but but anyway uh, doing things like that making it like a a uh, game and, and really getting people engaged and talking about it i think those are some of the ways uh you can use to kind of change the direction of the uh, uh culture so it's like engagement at the top making sure you've got all the right people understanding yeah. the value security and then gamification and engagement in the, in the middle and bottom of the organization yes abs absolutely i don't love that idea of um <laughs> using your third parties they have slack coming out the their ears you know and it's just like if you give someone a pair of like slack socks or octa socks or something you know Exactly. Yeah, people will people will do a lot of things for a pair of Octa socks. Yeah, uh, but 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 the truth is that there are some organizations like uh, the U.S. Navy. You know, I, I really feel very very privileged uh, to have been a part of that. Where you really don't have a choice; you have to be secure. Period. Because if you are not, people are going to die. Right. So uh, that is not the case in Silicon Valley. In Silicon Valley, you're not secure. Well, maybe you're gonna lose a client or, or two, but then eventually, you no, know, you're gonna be able to get back and make more more money. So. Uh, for those organizations where security is absolutely crucial, uh, no, they definitely get it and they, they usually uh, no, finance and support uh, security, give you absolutely everything you, you need to be successful. But again, like, like I was saying, in the real world, that is not always uh, the case. And I think it is a challenge for security um, professional. So I feel like part of our job too is to kind of be a teacher, kind of uh, instruct, educate both the uh, leadership and also our peers and uh, the, the people at the lower levels where where we are and kind of you know, change the culture of the organization so that we embrace security uh, easier, especially when you, you can show that uh, having a secure infrastructure and uh, application would uh, enable more sales, which uh, every company yes. is all about sales. So.
you know, and the fact that like aligning sales, excuse me, aligning security to be an enabler of the sales function of that enterprise sales, when you're trying to go after big fish, they really care about the data they're handing you, right? Absolutely. They want to know that they did their diligence on the people they brought in as a third party trust. So I couldn't agree more like this. This is, I think, is a bit of a layup for the security community. It's like, okay, if you wanted to prove value to the organization, go get your SOC 2 type 2, go get your ISO <laughs> certification, you know, Absolutely. Go, go get the go get things your clients are looking for so that you can um, help drive business. Yes. And, and one one thing about certification, especially when I was a consultant, uh, I think some people are like a little bit confused. They feel like if you are compliant with you know, a specific security standard or whatever, that you are secure. But really compliance and security are two completely different things. You can be perfectly compliant to PCI, just ask target, uh, but uh, not yes. be quite secure, right? So uh, I think as security professional, yes, you have to be compliant and it is helpful. And sometimes I've even used compliance in the past in order to achieve security, right? Because the, the organization will spend whatever they need to do to be compliant so they can you know, sign a deal with Microsoft or whoever the customer, the customer, the customer is. So and I think sometimes you can definitely uh, use it to fund your security program. But I think really keeping the eye on, on the ball, managing the security risk of the organization and uh, uh, again, being a trusted advisor and uh, letting the people who make the decision that yes, this is important and this is why. And be, being able to yeah. talk to them in a business term. Earlier, we, we talked about when I was saying technology and, and business. This is another reason why you don't just want to be a techie and, and uh, speak your you know, technology jargon that no business uh, executive can understand. You need to be able to translate that into a business language so they know exactly what, what you mean and how critical the risk might be. And that's also a way, again, for you to get more funding when they understand where the money is, is going and what the return on investment yes. would be. When they can see what the output's going to be, because it is such a nebulous thing that we're solving for. We're dealing with risk, mitigating risk that may not happen from an adversary that you can't see on a technology that you don't understand. Yes. Like that's what they're hearing. <laughs> so, Absolutely. They're like, oh, okay. Oh, you want this certification? Should we get that deal <laughs> done? And then I think the art, the art and science of being a security leader is using these wins and these opportunities to say, great, let's all arrive here safer than what the standard is calling for Absolutely. so that we can, you know, you can use these opportunities to increase silently in the background, <laughs> the, the security standard. Absolutely. So talking about like paradigm shifts and things that are changing, you know, I've had some pretty interesting conversations. Um, you mentioned this thing once where like there was this paradigm shift in how you were viewing your security program be to move away from the legacy in embrace and embrace the newer ways of thinking about things. And one of the ideas you came up with is like, or that you expressed was this, the internet is our network. And yes. I just, I love that idea that like, we're beyond the land and WAN, DMZs, decentralization It's like, nope, the internet's our network. Let's go build for it. So can you unpack that for me? And like, what are some other paradigm yeah. shifts that you think as security community, we should really be bringing it to the front of our mind? Yeah, uh, I think that was back in 2014 when I moved to Silicon Valley, the very first uh, startup I, I, I worked for. Uh, it was very, very interesting because prior to that, I had higher education and government ex experience and everywhere I've been, we had those huge data center and servers and stuff, and you know you have everything on on prem. So at this uh, location, and I go, I'm like, okay, where's the data center? We don't have any data center. It's all in the cloud. The email, it's all in the cloud. Absolutely, 100% of everything in the cloud. I'm like, wow, 
this is quite amazing. So how in the world do I secure the data we care about in this enterprise, knowing that it is not in a specific location right, right here uh, in our uh, environment? Well, it's kind of you know, changing the way you think about security. Again, those security principles and uh, controls really, they, they remain the same, but just the way you apply them uh, would, would have to, to change, right? And if you, uh, for example, six years later, 2020 with this global uh, pandemic, again, at directly, we are a cloud first company. Thank God for that. Uh, because when this uh, pandemic hit and everybody had to work from home, well, no problem because everything is in the cloud. They can access the cloud from the location in San Francisco and they can do it from their home no matter where they live in the world as long as they have access to the internet. So that was really a huge, huge, huge plus. So I, I think uh, there are still some organization for whatever reason, they are very, very resistant with moving to the cloud. The US Navy was one of those uh, because they were like, it's not secure enough. We don't really trust them. It's not our server. We don't have our guards around and, and so forth. But 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 yeah, but yeah. but uh, if eventually we kind of kept in because it just makes business sense, right? You're saving a lot of money and uh, it can be as secure, even more secure than anything you have on uh, prem, depending on how you, you set it up and all of the, the yeah. controls you are, you have in, in place. So if, if there's anybody out there who's still you know, doubting uh, why they should really complete their uh, digital transformation journey, you just have to think about 2020 and the uh, global uh, pandemic. So uh, again, anyone who in invested in, into the IT infrastructure prior to that wasn't affected as much as everybody else. Yeah, the ability yeah. to be like, okay, everyone, here's your laptop, just have fun. <laughs> you know, it's like, it is pretty incredible to see that you can pick up these when you are a security leader bringing in these paradigm shifts. And I think DevSecOps is another paradigm shift, mm -hmm. this idea that you need to engage in the company, move, move, shift left, take security upstream, engage yes. it. So it's built into the process. It's another one to engage with. Um, yes. yeah. And one, one thing about DevSecOps, right? So I've, I've been working in engineering centric organizations since 2014. So we passed uh, seven years or so. Uh, when you, that's when I, I was first ex exposed to this concept and the age old methodology, right? Prior to, to that, at the University of Alabama and the US government it usually takes us you know, six months or a year to uh, produce code. But in Silicon Valley, it's like every two weeks, they have two weeks spent. I'm like, what in the world? So uh, it's like they are really producing code at the speed of, of thought, really. So uh, it, it really takes a while for kind of security to catch up. So I think when mm -hmm. you are in an environment like that one strategy uh, I have used that seems to be working pretty well, is to kind of you know, take baby steps at, at, at first, right? I think it's Martin Luther King who said, no, and before you, you, you can one walk and if you can't walk, uh, uh, call or something like that. Mm. So I think it's very, very important in engineering centric organizations that are extremely agile uh, to start with uh, taking care of the security as soon as uh, the code has been published. So I'm talking about an emphasis on uh, red teams, penetration testing, bug bounty program, and things like, like that. The code has been published, and uh, here we are just uh, uh, the egg uh, out of it to see what your vulnerabilities are and try to fix them uh, before the bad guys dis discover them and uh, ex exploit them. I think you do need to start somewhere. And then with, with time, like uh, like what, what you mentioned, is trying to shift security uh, no, to the left. and. Uh, uh, you you really need to to bring it uh, as close to the developer as possible. 
uh, like right now at directly, we are uh, starting a program where uh, we are going to actually have the uh, developer uh, scan their code before they are merged in, into our um, primary uh, mm -hmm. repository, right? And this way, there are any vulnerability that can be fixed before the uh, code is published. That is really where you would like to be. Yeah. But again, it is a journey. It is a challenge. You need to use a lot of uh, skills that have nothing to do with technology, people skills, being, being yes. nice to people, uh, using soft skills and making them understand and really influencing them in order to do the, the right thing for the, organ the organization. Because that is going to change the life of a developer a little bit. But if you think about the return on, on investment, it is going, going to be huge. Because another thing about that is, I'm sure all of your listeners are aware of the blue screen of death, uh, Microsoft, right? Uh, we came to find out it was one specific developer that kept making the same mistake over and over and over and over again. And that's why we kept seeing the blue screen of death from Windows 95 when I started using it to XP and, and beyond. But anyway, but if, if, if you can find wait, mistake. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, that is, that is uh, exactly what I, what, I, what, I, what I was told. So uh, as, as, as you know, humans, we, we are creatures of habit, right? Once we do something yeah. one way, we tend to keep doing it the same ex 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 exact way. So basically it was the same coding mistake that was being uh, made over and over and over and over and over again. So by having a program where you actually check the code of a developer and you teach them what the issues are yeah. and how to fix them, then that really changes their career where in the future, they will never be making this mistake anymore. They would have learned uh, from it going forward. No, just something to think. No, about. that makes complete sense. And I also think like, sorry, go back to return on investment there. If you find a security vulnerability, it is still in the hands of the developer. They just got done writing the code. Yes, they can go fix it. Like it's it's like it's yeah. there. That they they no one knows the code better than the engineer who wrote it. Absolutely. Um, and so this is the time to empower them with the tools to help them elevate their code. Yes. By the way, just to I I took a quick look. Um, Martin Luther King's quote: "If you can't fly, then run. That's if right. you can't run, then walk." If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving. That is the leadership yeah, a, right, right, right there. Yes. Yeah. It's such a powerful statement. I mean, just <laughs> and talk about like we often look for perfect in the security program, but it really is as you were mentioning progress over perfection. Yes, I think perfection is a mirage. Really, it doesn't exist anywhere. You you really need to have small improvement and don't do it over over time. Like even if you just improve 1% every single day, you know, in 100 days, it's going to be 100% better than when you first uh, started. And and um, one thing about that too is many times when you make small changes, usually you don't see the effect right away, right? Just think about this. Everybody knows, you know, shouldn't be eating bad, bad food and healthy food and, and so forth and eat healthy and, and exercise. Just imagine if someone ate, uh, you know, one of those very unhealthy burgers or pizza or whatever your, your favorite bad bad food is, and they gain 50 pounds on the spot, like on the spot, nobody will be overweight in this, in this country. But the thing is, it yes. takes time. No? They, they eat like that day after day, weeks after weeks, month after month. And before you know it, they're 40 and they have huge, huge bellies and unhealthy heart, heart issues and, and stuff. But it, it, it started with just one, one, one meal, right? So before we can see, because we cannot see the effect of what we're doing uh, right away, sometimes it kind of gives people a false sense of uh, sick of security but really what i'm trying to say is um, once you start your journey 
in a really continuous improvement in you know, whatever security program you are a part of, don't be discouraged if you don't see the return on investment just yet. It is going to take to, to take time, but the accumulative effect of what you are doing uh, will definitely uh, show itself in time. Right, and whatever you do, just keep moving. That's right. <laughs> That's it. So, so let's talk about. I want to zoom out a little bit and look to the future. Um, we have AI on our doorstep. Mm-hmm. We have machine learning is really becoming toolkits for a lot of decision-making yeah. that's going on, but AI is really influencing and shaping the future of the security community. And I was mm-hmm. curious your thoughts on this as it's disrupting, um, jobs in the security community. And it's either bringing in new threats is bringing in new solutions is bringing in new tool sets. Yes. What should we, as a security community, what should practitioners be looking to do to retool, to get the most out of AI? Well, I think probably one of the most important thing, at least for me is, you know, you have to be flexible and you have to have a teachable spirit, right? Uh, there is no way anybody today can know everything there is to know about anything. That's, that's just not, not possible. Uh, when I was a PhD uh, student, my uh, mentor uh, used to say he had his PhD back in the 70s. Uh, he knew absolutely everything there was to know about microbiology period. But uh, by the time I was going through this program in the uh, year 2000, it's like, there's just no way you're going to be able to know everything as best because knowledge is really expanding exponentially, right? So it's, it's just in, impossible to uh, ever catch up. But I think it's very important to have the humility to know that you don't know everything. I believe that was uh, Socrates, right, who said, all I know is that I don't know anything. It's like the more you know, the more you know what you know and what you do not know, right? Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Secretary Rumsfeld who was talking about the unknown, unknown, and all of that. But the, the, the reality is we are really living in a very exciting time where uh, we just have to be nimble. Yeah? We, we have to be flexible and we have to be willing to learn. Uh, I must say prior to coming to Silicon Valley 10, 15 years ago, I really felt like, you know, I kind of knew everything there was to know about securing uh, 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 infrastructure and and system on uh, on prime. But of course, we are advancements of of the cloud, the the internet and all of that, that's pretty much out of the window. So I I have to become a a student again, over and over and uh, over again. So I, I feel like, that's a very, very important characteristic for anybody in the security field to have, just to know that you're not going to know everything and you have to be willing to learn. All right. So that is very, very important. Do the research and uh, find out. Now, one thing about uh, technology, automation, machine learning, and uh, AI and all of that, it is true. Uh, a lot of jobs are going to be displaced. I can't even predict now if I could see my crystal ball, probably entry-level position like security analysts and that kind of thing, we probably are not mm-hmm. going to need human beings to do that anymore in the near future because a bot can uh, do the analysis much, much faster and better than any human being can, and we don't need sick time, vacation time, or benefits. So uh, that is pro- probably going going to, to happen in the next five, five years or so. But having said that, uh, like I was saying earlier, leadership is one of, I believe, the most critical skills in this area right now, because we will always need uh, human beings who have leadership skills in order to lead the implementation of whatever technology we come up with and also lead people, right? So part of the reason why I work at Directly Today, about two years ago, I joined the leadership team there because part of the reason was I wanted to learn more about artificial 
intelligence. We are into uh, what we call CXA, right? Customer uh, support auto automation. We use machine learning and artificial intelligence to completely uh, automate customer support. So we do have a few, um, there are a few other companies out, out there in our niche market who kind of do what, what we do. But one thing I, I think that separates us from the competition is the fact that we uh, don't just do artificial intelligence, but to that, we also add uh, expert engagement. So we have human beings right. expert in whatever uh, the, the field um, might be, the uh, soft software or the technology that then help make our artificial uh, intelligence even smarter, right? And uh, I think that collaboration, that contribution between machine and human, I, I think has worked very, very well. Uh, for us so i guess i've said all, all of that to say yes uh eventually i guess robots are going to take over the, the world but there will always be a need for the white people who have the right uh skill skill set and it goes back to i think what you said earlier just a moment ago which is having that teachable spirit yes it's i think this is like there is obviously you're right there's been significant displacement when there are you know more mature ais doing these particular discrete tasks but for every, I think the statistics I keep hearing is that for every time, like when the internet came out, for every job that it displaced, it created 2.3 more jobs. That's and right. we're going to see the same thing. With the next exponential that comes in place, every okay. time we disrupt a job, there'll be three or five more that comes up because we'll have new caliber of problems to go solve for. Like we have to go figure out how to defend against deep fakes, for God's yeah. sakes. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like we've got a whole world ahead of us. So I think it's really incredible, though, that you chose a company to partner with to come in as a security leader because you wanted to learn more about the artificial intelligence side and be a part of that journey as they are transforming the way that customers interact with this customer service, which is now an artificial, the intelligence powered customer service. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, and I, and I really like uh, what you uh, said there. So I, I uh, think personally, I believe formal education is still important, right? Uh, that's uh, the reason why I spent so much money to get two uh, gadget de degrees in the first place. But but uh, it is not everything, right? You are not done educating yourself once you get a bachelor or a master. To me, that's really just the beginning. So now you know how to do basic research, you know how to ask questions. And something my mentor used, used to tell me many, many times, uh, just asking the right question pretty much gives you 50% of the answer of the solution right, uh, right uh, there. So learning how to write, how to communicate, all of that very, very important, but really you don't know anything because in my estimation, if you are like in a cybersecurity program now, by the time you graduate in three or four years, you know, you get your, your bachelor or your master's, uh, everything you've learned is pretty much obsolete um, by the time you get that paper degree. So uh, I, I think it, it's important to have that foundation and kind of build from there. Uh, but uh, don't think that, oh, because I have this little degree from Harvard or whatever school you went to, uh, I know everything else, you know, because you do not. Couldn't agree more. It's just, it's constant. If there's constant change, there's going to be constant learning for us to keep up and adapt. Well, Bob, as someone who has been publicly quoted as saying, my superpower is my unshakable <laughs> determination to succeed. 
I want to just say it is evident through your certifications, through your insights, through your publications, that you are on this track to truly transform and influence the future of the cybersecurity community. So for that, I just want to thank you. And also just thank you for coming on the show today and really taking a moment to explore and unpack these, uh, these categories of conversation with us here today. Thank you so much, Connor. Really, it was a great privilege to be here. And everyone who's listening today, I would say connect with Bob, continue the conversation on LinkedIn. We'll have the links below in the show notes on YouTube. And if you've enjoyed today's conversation, please hit the subscribe button, give us a comment and reach out to Bob over on LinkedIn so we can continue talking. Okay. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channels and come back for more wisdom nuggets on how you may develop into a better leader and achieve greater levels of success. Leadership is the most critical skill. The world will always need leaders to lead others, deploy the next disruptive technology, or execute a business strategy. You may as well decide on counting yourself among the 21st century leaders. See you right here next time on the Leadership and Success Podcast with Coach BZ.